Well, it was lovely weather last week, and uh, I thought I'm going to. I had a free lunch time. I thought I'm going to go and basically um, go down to the river. I'm going to buy a sandwich. So I went to Pret a Manger. <laughs> I thought I'd treat myself. And I've got this thing. I've got this thing for falafel sandwiches at the moment. Lucy, you'd like them. I think they're vegan, aren't they? And I get this bottle of sparkling water, that's the treat. And uh, I think I head down to the river, so I'm going down to the river. I'm just about to sit there, find somewhere to sit. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm meant to be somewhere else in 10 minutes' time. So I wolfed down this sandwich, and I was walking along drinking this uh, sparkling water. It's never a good thing to do. And uh, I sort of, you know, felt a bit... Ugh. And the reason I tell you that is because as a church, last Sunday we celebrated Easter Day, didn't we? The resurrection of Jesus from death back to life. And uh, the temptation can be, you kind of like wolf that down and just then just press on and sort of go and do something else. And Lucy and I were talking about this. So we, we were thinking, how can we as a church ensure that we really celebrate what God has done in Jesus, in his resurrection? How can we ensure as a church that we... Uh, Walk in his risen life. What should we do after Easter? So we th- let's look at this book because uh, this is uh, a great book just reflecting on who Jesus is and how extraordinary uh, he is. So I'm going to read the first um, 20 or so verses uh, to you. It's quite a long reading, but just relax. Don't sit there thinking it's a long reading. Uh, just, um, you know, just hear these, hear these words and see what you think. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you all over the world. That gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. He then goes on to speak about Jesus, and he says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all the fullness, uh, his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, 
not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Turn to the person next to you. What, what have you had to pick one thing about that? What did you fix on? What are you struck by? 20 seconds. What's the one thing? Okay, should we crack on? So I want to actually tonight look at this, look at this, these verses in a bit of detail. So I'm going to go through this in quite a bit of detail. Just for the benefit of people, anyone here who hasn't read this book of Colossians, a little bit of introductory words for you. Basically, uh, there's this guy, he has this very, very deep encounter with Jesus. His name's Paul, he's the Apostle Paul. And when you encounter Jesus, it changes your life forever. And it changed Paul's life. And he uh, basically traveled around speaking about Jesus. And he spent three years in a city called Ephesus. And while he was there, he was talking about Jesus to people. And one person came to faith that he was, lots of people did, but one person came to faith who was called Epaphras. And Epaphras came to faith. He's a new believer. He travels about 100 miles away uh, to Colossae. And he, he starts speaking about Jesus. And people come to faith. And he's got a church plant on his hands and this new church this new fledgling church uh, starts it delights uh, Paul and Paul writes this letter to uh, the people uh, in uh, Colossae this uh, place Um, it's actually a letter from Paul uh, these verses so if you look at verses 1 and 2 Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother to God's holy people in Colossae faithful brothers and sisters in Christ grace and peace to you from God our Father I don't know how you're feeling tonight in your faith in your life I don't know whether you're in a really good place or it's a tough place however you're feeling know that you are God's holy people you're a holy person uh, as a result of what God has done through Christ. Now, it's clear, I don't know whether you picked this up, but this new fledgling church plant, it seems to be doing really well. The Christians there seem to be doing really well. For a start, they've come to faith, verses 3 and 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. I don't know when you came to faith, but they'd come to faith uh, one or two years previously. Uh, They love one another, these people. They really look out for one another. In this new church, they love one another, verse 4, and of the love that you have for all God's people. And they are actually full of hope about who God is and uh, what he's done, what he's going to do, and their future as they journey together. Uh, They're full of hope. This faith and love that spring, in verse 5, from the hope stored up for you in heaven. This is uh, because they're clear on who Jesus is and what he's going to do. They're confident in their faith in Jesus, uh, verse 5, about which you've already heard the true message of the gospel that's come to you. And uh, they're confident in their beliefs in who Jesus is. And uh, they're also confident in the power of God. Verse 6, this gospel is bearing fruit, growing throughout the whole world. And so they're confident uh, in Jesus and what God is doing. And it's easier said than done this, but they've also uh, understood just how uh, extremely gracious God is. And uh, just as it's been going among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace, that reference in verse 6. 
So there's this new church plant, there's a group of new believers there, and they're going pretty well. And I guess this begs the question, you know, how is your faith, how is my faith uh, at the moment? How are we doing? You know, uh, how um, confident are we of God's power? How hopeful are we in our lives at the moment as we, as we look around us, as we think about our lives, our future? You know, how confident are we in our beliefs, in the, in the truth of the gospel, to steal a phrase uh, from Paul? Uh, do, are you aware of God's grace in your life at the moment? Just, this just extreme generosity and acceptance of God, God's kindness to you. How, how are you doing at this time in your life? Now, what's interesting is you kind of read those verses and you think, gosh, new church, great, it's, it's going really well, it's, it's sounding fantastic. Actually, what's clear is that the church is getting into a little bit of trouble. And um, what's happened is some wrong thinking is coming into the church, and Epaphras, this church planter, is a bit worried about the church. And uh, I remember when we, we planted a church in New Zealand, it had been going a while, and uh, you know, stuff happens, you wonder what to do, you're inexperienced, you don't know what to do. So I, I remember phoning up some church leaders in England and asking for their advice, and this is what Epaphras does. And he can't phone, of course, he can't text, or Facebook, the Apostle Paul. He has to go all the way to Rome to find Paul and say, look, it's, it's, it's kind of going, it's going okay, but there's all this uh, funny stuff that's starting to seep into the church, all these beliefs. What shall I do? So Paul actually writes them letter, this letter, to give to Epaphras, who then travels back to Colossae uh, to read it out to this new uh, group of people. Now, it's important that you understand what this congregation were getting into because they, they actually were getting into some wrong understandings about spirituality and the importance of certain things. And one thing they did, uh, the, the sort of general heading for their heresy was Gnosticism. And that's quite a complicated set of beliefs. But basically, at the, the heart of this was a sense that the world is bad. They thought the world was bad, they thought uh, physical bodies were bad, not really important. And over here, all this spiritual stuff over here is the really important stuff. And, um, you know, uh, actually, if you do this, all this sort of sophisticated thinking and, and, and believing, you can, you can get the secret knowledge of God. And uh, that was a big problem for them, and it worried Epaphras. And they, they become legalistic, and they, they, they had sort of thought following God was about obeying rules. And I, I remember when I was thinking about coming to faith, someone said to me, are you going to come to faith, Mike? I said, no. They said, why not? I said, I said it's just all rules. You know, it's about like not, you know, do that, da, 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 da. But, but actually, it's, we know it's not about rules. It's actually about experiencing life. But this group of believers have become very legalistic. They'd also got into this self-denial stuff. They were saying, you can't eat this, you can't drink that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And uh, Epaphras was worried because... Kind of like the Christian things about freedom. And I remember years ago actually speaking to someone and they, I got talking to them and said, oh, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I'm a Christian. And they said, oh yeah, Christians. What is it again you guys don't believe or don't do? And, uh, you know, it's this sort of negative understanding. And uh, the church in Colossae, this uh, group, had got into this sort of stuff. And they were, they were putting human wisdom over God's wisdom. And uh, they had all this sort of secret spirituality stuff going on. 
So this is what was happening for them. And um, actually, it was quite serious for them. And so Paul basically writes this letter to try and help them out. So I don't know, if you were the apostle Paul, Epaphras had come to you, what would you say? What would you say to him? What would your key messages be? The first thing actually Paul does is he prays for the church. And Lucy's going to look at that next week. I think that's sort of roughly verses 9 to 14. I think Lucy's going to unpack that next week. The second thing Paul does is he actually reminds the church of the extraordinary supremacy of Jesus Christ. That's what the basic thing is. And so between verses uh, 15 and 20, he reminds that just one of these things would be amazing, but he reminds them of many, many things, and I'll just fly through some of them. He says, Jesus is the very image of God, the firstborn over all creation, verse 15. He's created the whole world, verse 16. He's actually always been, he's never started because he's eternal and he sustains all things, that's verse 17. He's the head of the church, verse 18. He's the first person in history ever to be resurrected from death back to life. The fullness of God rests in him in bodily form. And actually, if that weren't enough, he's also going to reconcile the whole of creation to himself, the whole of humanity to himself, and he's going to restore the whole order and everything uh, within the universe. So it's kind of like, wow, okay, this is who Jesus is. And these verses, 15 to 20, they're actually a poem. They're a very, very sophisticated poem if you look at the structure of them. And they're very, very clever. And they all play on the Hebrew word for head. And so Paul has drafted these extra- this extraordinary poem, actually, to um, uh, send to uh, this group of Christians. And what he's doing is he's, he's not sort of saying, hey, look at me, I'm, I can do poetic form really well. Uh, he's, he's actually, I want to suggest, wanting to remind them of three things. This is the big picture. We could spend a long time looking at these, but this is a kind of overview of these things. And the first thing uh, he says is this. He says, look, true spirituality is found in Jesus. And it's found in Jesus because uh, Jesus is God, as Lucy was saying earlier. You know, Jesus is God. Uh, The Son is the image of the invisible God. Uh, in verse 15. So Jesus is God, he says. Keep it 101 simple. You are living like we are in a culture with all sorts of pressures, all sorts of beliefs, all sorts of things, uh, practices, worldviews that don't accord with the Christian worldview. Just, just remember, 101, <laughs> Jesus is God. And basically... Uh, I was on a train uh, many years ago, and I got talking to someone, and uh, they said, oh, are you a Christian? I said, yeah, and they said, oh, wow, you're a Christian? I said, yes, and they said, I'm quite, see, God? I said, yeah, I okay. <laughs> yes, and she said this, she said, I, I just can't even begin to picture or imagine God. If Paul was there, he'd say, well, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so this is what Paul says. He says, as you journey, just don't forget that Jesus is God. It's a simple thing. But as you're bombarded, not with sort of Greek thinking, but with the materialistic worldview, uh, the consumeristic worldview, 
the humanistic worldview that we rub up against every day uh, on campus, at work, uh, at school. Uh, just remember, Jesus is God. He's the image of the invisible God. And um, never forget that. Because as we follow God, we can forget that. And we can get mixed up in all sorts of other stuff, you know, TED Talks, Instagram stuff, all this sort of cool stuff, all this sort of thinking. Actually, Jesus is the one. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. So that's the first thing that Paul uh, says to this community. Second thing Paul says is uh, be full of hope because Jesus is powerful and he's restoring all things. He's actually restoring uh, all things. And um, what's interesting is that Paul recognized that the people had got distracted and were losing hope. And, um, you know, he, he wants to remind them to hold on to the hope uh, of what Jesus is going to do. And I don't know about you, I think you can actually lose hope uh, today as you follow God. And you can look at the world, you know, you can look at all the stuff that's going on in the world, the, the shootings in Christchurch, the bombings and shootings in Sri Lanka, uh, the seas full of plastic, knife crime, the carnage of Brexit, uh, poverty, uh, all the stuff that's happening. And you can sort of, oh gosh, what's going on? I heard someone say recently, I think the, wor the, the world is going down the pan, they said. Paul would have none of that. He would actually, what he does, what he reminds these people is, you know, Colossian Christians, you might think, the material world is bad. You might think the physical body is bad, but it's actually not true because the creation is good. The whole world is extraordinary, and Jesus has created it. He's designed it. He's made it. And uh, also, you think your body is bad. You think that's all sort of not important and all your appetites and everything. You're actually made in the image of God. You are sacred. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And uh, actually, what's extraordinary is that creation is amazing, if you think about it. It's absolutely amazing. It's not what it should have been. Uh, things are clearly uh, not as they were meant to be. But God has acted in Jesus Christ, and he's actually going to restore everything. He's going to restore all things. And so when you read the news headlines, when you get the feeds, uh, Twitter feeds, whatever it is, actually don't be discouraged because God, through Jesus, is restoring all things. The material world isn't bad. He created it. And actually he's reconciling it and he is restoring uh, all things. And you're part of something absolutely extraordinary in him. Third thing Paul says is actually always hold on to Jesus and his risen life because actually uh, he is the one who models life and life to the full. And don't go for these, don't be sidetracked by these funny ideas. Don't sort of think you can do things in your own strength. Don't lose hope. Don't, don't lose sight of Jesus. He is the one who is reconciling everything through the blood shed on the cross uh, to himself. 
And uh, he's the one who models what human life, a human life lived well is. So walk closely with him and be encouraged uh, by him. And so Paul does two things. He paints the big picture uh, of the scale and grandeur of what God has done in Jesus and who Jesus is. And you can lose that scale. And then he gets a bit more personal about what the consequences are of what Jesus has done. And I remember going to New Zealand for the first time. Someone said to Bex and I, the thing you've got to see is Milford Sound. Has anyone been to Milford Sound in New Zealand? And so we went down there, and the sound is like a fjord with high cliffs either side, high mountains. So we're down at Milford Sound on this boat. It's taken us about two days to get there. And uh, the guy on the, on the old boat, the, the whole microphone, he's going, look at that, isn't that amazing, that big cliff? And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> okay, so it's big, but, you know, it's not that amazing. And then a, a helicopter flew past, and you suddenly saw the scale of it. And it was like, oh, my God. I was silenced. You suddenly got the scale of just how vast it was. It was like 20 Empire State Buildings. And this is what God has done in Jesus, you see. He's done something extraordinary. And he's restoring all things and changing all things. And, and then Paul says, and by the way, you know, it, it's a personal thing as well. It's just not cosmic and creation that God is restoring. Uh, he's restoring you too. And he writes, you know, once you're alienated from God, but now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So it's not just the cold cosmic order that Jesus is changing. It's our, it's our lives too. And when we come to him, uh, we are forgiven, we're restored, we're holy in his sight, without blemish, we're free from accusation. And like him, we defeat death. Like him, we go on into eternal life. Like him, we go on into, in, in eternity uh, with our Father in heaven. So this is an amazing sort of big picture, personal thing. And so that's what Paul um, says to this church in Colossae. And if he was here tonight, he would say all those things to us too. He would say, don't, don't just press on. Don't lose sight of Jesus. Don't, don't forget what he's doing, the grandeur of what he's doing. And don't forget what he's done for you through the power of the resurrection, through the death on the cross, to actually restore and reconcile you back to God. Amen.